What's up, everyone? Welcome into another episode of ESPN's Ball and the Real World. I am your host, Kane Pittman, uh, with a new squad today. A couple of new voices joining the pod. Shout out to our friend Steve Smith, by the way. He will be back at some point through the season. But we have our Western Australian correspondent, Wildcats expert, ESPN <laughs> colleague, Josh Garlop. How you doing, man? Yeah, great. Thanks, guys. I, I like that um, West Australian correspondent because it actually feels more and more like an international station as we're locked away forever over here in Gilead. But um, yeah, it's great to be part of the ESPN team for this season. And uh, it's good to officially jump on the Perth Wildcats bandwagon as, I guess, their beat reporter for this season. Yeah, no, it's good to start with a plug. So you have got a Wildcats feature story dropping on ESPN.com.au coming up here. So you guys can check that out. Uh, after you listen to this podcast, also joining us, a very familiar voice and face, if you were watching this, from the NBL broadcast, Pete Hawley. Pete, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me. No, looking forward to it. Uh, it's going to be a big season and year keeps season league keeps growing and a lot to break down and a lot of things to talk about. So, Pete, we'll start, we'll start with you. And we're going to obviously be breaking down the NBL. We're a couple of days away from the season tipping off in Tasmania, which is going to be a big event. I mean, talking to anyone down there and they are going crazy about the NBL. So they're fired up about Friday night uh, with the season opener there. But you've been on the call during the Blitz. There's been some highlights. Preseason basketball is always a little interesting. You, know, you, don't, want to, you don't want to be diving off the deep end too early with some of the, some of the takes you have. But how have you found this version of the Blitz this year and some of the basketball we've seen? Yeah, I think this year, I mean, we saw a lot. Some teams just had injuries. A lot, like we, had, we haven't seen close to the Sydney Kings we're going to get in the regular season. And there's been other teams that a lot of guys have rested. Uh, we expect that a lot, I think, in the Blitz over years past. We're never going to see teams at full strength until maybe the last couple of games, which is something Dean Vickerman likes to try and do. But didn't really get a whole lot out of the blitz this year. I think the only really thing we saw is a lot of offense, which we'd expect the defensive structures are, are going to grow once the season starts. But besides that, we saw a lot of new training players. We saw a lot of development players out there and a lot of teams just keeping a lot of cards closer to their chest, which is a weird bit of understandable this year because of the way the season starts with the technically the conferences. We have the one conference that plays everybody the five teams and then the teams outside of Victoria and New South Wales. So you don't want to give away too much in the blitz because you're going to be playing those teams pretty early on. Yeah, it's one of the strange things, I guess, about the schedule this year, and we'll get into it. But as you mentioned, if you want to call it conferences, whatever you want to call it, uh, some of these season series between some teams, and I know Sydney and Melbourne, for instance, they're going to play in round one. Uh, they're basically done by the first week of the new year, which is kind of crazy, but we'll get used to uh, seeing these matchups as they go. And of course, unfortunately, we had a couple of games interrupted by COVID, which again is going to be a storyline. We'll get to New Zealand uh, later on in the show here. But rather than mess around, everyone does their previews. Everyone wants to know which teams are going to make the playoffs, the finals. And Pete, I know we did... A, a predictions or our selections over at nbl.com.au going back uh, a little while here. And I've already changed mine. And, but, and Okay, good. And I reserve the right to change them. <laughs> but, but Josh, you've already mentioned the fact that you're in WA and you can't leave WA. You can't go back into WA anyway. But I'm wondering if you don't put the Wildcats in your top four, whether you're going to be kicked out of the state uh, for doing so. We know the Wildcats fans, they they like to get fired up. They don't like any type of uh, potential uh, disrespect coming their way. Uh, who are you looking at is going to make the top four? 
Well, the top four, well, firstly, I do have Perth in my top four. And the only reason for that is there was a couple of reasons. New Zealand, I can't put them in yet because of just it just being so much harder. We saw last year how difficult it is to win when you're just never at home. And there's no sort of date for that return for New Zealand, despite loving their list. Um, Sydney as well, I just I haven't seen enough yet. But the other teams outside of Perth, it's all based on uh, the teams that have kept their coach. They've kept a lot of their core. And I just predict that they're going to get these early wins and be stable enough throughout the rest of the season. Melbourne United, uh, led by Vickerman, I, I just I can't count out a Vickerman side, especially when you still got um, Chris Golding coming off a bronze medal, adding Delhi and um, Huck Porty. Oh my God, some of those highlights from a kid that's 19. I actually was at my desk working from home, like, oh my God. Um, so, along with some Melbourne United, Southeast Melbourne, Perth, and Illawarra, those three teams outside of Perth, all keeping their coaches from last year, adding and potentially getting better this year. Uh, Melbourne United, you could argue either way. Um, and with Illawarra, I just think I really liked watching them last year. I remember seeing their preseason games here in Perth against the Perth Wildcats. Um, and straight away, they were switched on under Gorgian. They've added Dwight Wraith, and he's, I, th- I think some people were surprised with his addition to the Boomers side. He's shown as an absolute baller and he buys in. People love this guy. He's going to play whatever role you want. You saw when he played in Serbia, he he just sort of fit into whatever role they wanted. And their younger guys too, Gak and White, are only going to get better. So love you, Luora. Can't go past Melbourne United. Southeast Melbourne, I think they've only gotten better and they're absolutely stacked now. And Perth, I'm, I'm voting with my heart this time. Um, I know that it's going to be tough for ScoMo. This time around, yes, I use that name, but um, <laughs> he's had a really tough run. But I just think with Vic Law and Roscon, you're potentially looking at the best one-two punch in the competition. The way that Vic Law looked in the Blitz, he he uh, was showing what he showed before his injury last year in Brisbane. And I think with Bryce Cotton, you really can't count him out until I guess we're we're actually seeing it. And from all reports from Jesse Wagstaff, everyone at training, he's actually been fine for like two or three months. It's not been like a couple of weeks for Bryce Cotton. He's been training extremely hard. So, um, and uh, wasn't isn't hindered at all by his emergency surgery from last year. So that's my top four. I know I'm probably going to get a bit slammed for the Wildcat selection, but I'm I'm open to it. It's our first podcast together, guys. I think that's that's an incredibly safe top four. Oh, come on. Okay, first of all, Pete, let's just say, if we can, I don't have them. I wish I pulled them up now. You had some wild predictions. You had some wild predictions, which, <laughs> by the way, which, by the way, I very much respect. I had to do it because last year, when it came to the start of the year, I predicted Cairns and New Zealand to be, with both their squads, I thought they would be contesting in at least the top four and both finished, or Cairns finished bottom. So it was, I couldn't have been any more wrong. So I thought maybe if I have a look a bit, more around all the different clubs and i legitimately think you can make a case for eight teams for the top four this year it's going to be so close so tight and i'm with you now i've i've gone away from those early predictions completely because i actually think the wildcats i didn't have them in there they'll be there it's just foolish to not have them in the top four i mean they're gonna i think they'll start maybe a bit slower than we'd expect but if you know what they've been through with scomo coming late to the party meeting everybody the new structure michael fraser hasn't really touched down properly with with what we're expecting from him. They'll take some time, but they're all they're playing at home for the first few games. So it's going to only help them. They can get some wins when they go away for that little stretch. But then again, we'll talk about COVID stuff. You never know what could happen after that. But you can't ride the Wildcats off ever. So who else have you got? So so you're so you, the Wildcats are sliding in. 
which means there's a team that you've removed from your predictions a month ago. There's a couple of teams that I've, I've okay. changed. I've, I mean, I've had a good look at the blitz, the rosters. I mean, mind you, when I did that, the predictions that we did, Michael Frazier hadn't signed yet. So I was a lot of things. I was like, who will they get to fill that last piece? I didn't have the Phoenix in there. I've got the Phoenix in there well and truly now. I mean, Josh said they are stacked. They bring back the core and they add some really nice pieces and they've got the motivation and the drive to know what it takes to get to the next step. And and talking to Mitch Creek and Media Day, he basically said, if they win that game three against Melbourne United, they're champions. Bryce Cotton was hurt. Whoever was going to play Perth in the finals were going to win that series over five games without Bryce Cotton. It was just the way that... They saw things. Melbourne United, I've still got. I'm with you, Dean Vickerman. They always, they, what they want to breed is success there. At United, they've done that. They've still got the option to bring in another import if that's what they need to do. And I think that's something they'll continue to look at as it evolves over the first few rounds and see what they go from there. And then I've got the Kings. And that's hard because I'm a big fan of the Breakers this year. I, I love what New Zealand squad they put together, how exciting it'll be. They were, they were my pick to win it, I think, in the pre, the way too early predictions. But I think Sydney Kings are going to be, once they get all the pieces, they look like a real fun squad that is going to be coached well and they're going to be tough to beat. Yeah, New Zealand is, is so interesting to me because I, I agree with you. First of all, super talented, but I just can't put them in there because, again, it they're up against with the travel. It's just brutal. It's unfortunate. I feel for the for those players, particularly the the players and the staff that were there last season, because uh, now, as we know, with things changing, when are they going to get home? Are they going to get home? We we don't know when that's going to happen. Um, so, based on what we saw last year, and there was a lot of factors why last year they struggled, and in the preseason we thought Lamar Patterson was going to be a major player, that didn't work out. So things changed. There's no doubt about that. They're super talented. I just think it's a massive ask for them to start the season over here in Australia, again, with so much uncertainty. So I didn't have the breakers in there um, just for that reason, honestly. And, and I do. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they're good. I hope they're able to work through the challenges of being on the road. Um, probably the most controversial selection I have is Melbourne. Melbourne's out. I'm moving Melbourne from my top four. Now, as you pointed to, and I've already changed my selections once. So if look, if they sign an import in a month's time, I'll probably be back on this podcast saying Melbourne are back. They, they can win the title. <laughs> But for now, I, I just think there's so much unknown about their roster. And even as you, you mentioned, Media Day, and we were speaking to them, uh, to the guys, Chris Golding, Dean Vickerman, about all the turnover. And one guy that I'm super fascinated about is Caleb Bagata because Vickerman said himself, last year we kind of had that role where uh, Scotty Hobson and Chris Golding were sort of, you, you, you had one guy out there, Golding would knock down the threes, he'd rest on the bench. Uh, you have, the, one of the, the most explosive scorers in the league in Scotty Hobson comes straight in and they never lost anything. I mean, they were so powerful. Last year, it felt like they were by far the best team in the league and it wasn't really that close. Uh, I'm just not sure this year. And Dali, we, we don't know what he's going to bring. I mean, he just hasn't played a full season of basketball for such a long time. So I've got Melbourne sliding out for now. But the reason why I have them sliding out is because I had to find a way to get Illawarra in there. I don't know what I was thinking. Why would I not have Brian Gorgian's team in the top four. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I was talking to uh, someone down at the Blitz that works for a rival team. And I, I mentioned that, uh, that I, I didn't have the Hawks and, and they, were just, they just gave me the weirdest look. They said, Gorge is going to get him in the top four. What are you talking about? So I think that's right. I've got the Hawks, uh, Southeast Melbourne, Sydney, 
and uh, and I had Perth in there as well. I, I think Vic Law is easy to overlook because he missed the back half of the season last year. Uh, he was playing on a Brisbane team that wasn't at the, at the top end of the ladder at that point in time as well. So it can be easy to forget. But some of those blitz games, if you want to take away anything from the blitz, the combination of uh, Law and Cotton is going to be pretty tough to stop, I would suspect, Josh. Yeah, I, I just think I caught a lot of Brisbane's games last year and I may have had a little wager uh, against them a lot too. And the guy that kept <laughs> annoying me was Vic Law every single time. He was hitting game winners. He, there was that, um, that sort of backdoor play where he just scored at will. And it was like, what the hell is happening? You forget how big he is as well. Um, I think my biggest worry about the Wildcats is potentially their, their bigs uh, with with the exit of Mooney. Uh, just Hodgson is obviously extremely serviceable. Majok, Majok coming back from that injury. But where are they going to get that scoring? And I, I think they've just backed in the wings and backed in the, that um, they're going to be quicker than everyone. And the way that we've seen the Skoma offense play, it seems like they're very, it's very up and down. And uh, um, I, I just think it'll probably work extremely well for Vic Law and hopefully eventually Bryce Cotton, even though he played around 23 minutes or so uh, in the Blitz, which you, you wouldn't really want to be burning out <laughs> Cotton in those first five games. Yeah, I think it is exciting, and I, you know, I think the Red Army probably are underappreciating right now what sort of player they've got in law. So, if we can go to the Phoenix for a while, and it's interesting when you put it that way that you did, Pete. That, as Creaky said, he thought that they would have won the grand final, and he's probably right. But I think because they were playing United, it felt like they were they were far away because it, coming into that series, and again, this might be disrespectful, but remember, the Phoenix had a bunch of injuries coming into the season. Their schedule before the playoffs was brutal. They were traveling all over the place. Uh, Glidden obviously was away from the team leading into the postseason. Brokoff was going through a bunch of stuff physically and, and off the court as he's spoken about. So it was incredible that they were even there. I, I thought myself that it was, it was an amazing run uh, to get there. Now you look at all the pieces seem settled and of course they're going to need good health. But uh, you know, Josh said this, this roster is stacked. I mean, this is an incredibly uh, uh, impressive group of guys that they've got together for this season. And this is before you even mentioned someone like Joe Chi, who's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's the, it's the deep and the deepness of it, and the fact that there's the carryover of the core. I think that's the the crucial part of it. Like you know what you're trying to build. I mean, we talk about a team that's still only their third year in the league. How far they've come in two and a half years has been outstanding. And my biggest question mark has been there for the last two years: is can they get enough stops over a forty minute game enough times throughout the year? I mean, we're talking about a team that led the league in scoring, but also gave up the most points. And you can't win a championship by doing that. And a little bit of the blitz, I was having a look and it didn't look like their defense had changed too much. And I think that's again going to be the question mark is, can they lock up, get enough stops? I love the signing of Xavier Mumford. I think it's exactly what they needed in terms of you got Kyle Adnam, you got Liafa, you got guys who can handle the ball. So not to have an import who's strictly really a one like they have had in Kiefer Sykes and Roberson is only going to benefit them. But my, my biggest thing is, can they really lock in on the defensive end? Because the offense will take care of itself. You've got a couple of guys who might want to have a night off from shooting and just not feeling good. You've got plenty of guys to throw out there. Ryan Brokoff looks back to what we expected. I'm expecting a massive year from him. Looks refreshed, looks healthy, looks like he's ready to have a, a huge year. And you've got guys off the bench, Cam Glynn. Ruben Tarangi was playing with great confidence throughout the blitz. So all these guys where you can just pick and choose when other guys are maybe not having their night. Simon Mitchell's got a lot to work with, but it's the defensive end that's going to be the question mark. I think it was the size as well. I mean, you mentioned that they bring in Xavier Mumford and, and not only did they have 
import guards who, by the way, whether it was Roberson or it was Sykes, I mean, they had incredible impact on the offensive end, but they were both small guys. And there's only so much you can do these days when you're trying to switch, you're trying to have versatile defenders when they can't really switch on to anyone else. They were just too little. So I think that they bring in Mumford. I think that's important. And then the obvious one is um, even though he kind of got dunked on the other night, <laughs> they've got a big fella that I think is going to provide some room protection as well, obviously, in Joe Chi. Got dunked on is a nice way to put it. I mean, we, I don't, I still need clarification on uh, Basson's height because yes. his Wikipedia is shorter than what the breakers tweeted about, like a three inches shorter. And six two sounds a lot better dunking on seven two than six five. I think he's six five though. He's a lot, he's taller yeah. than six two. But either yeah. way, it was an incredible thing. And I actually heard because they had a closed door scrimmage before the blitz started. And a couple of the guys from the breakers were saying that he tried it on Joe Chi in that game didn't go down. So obviously he had the confidence behind him and went up again. And that's the only way to do it is you got to go up and over him because Joe Chi is going to be there trying to change every single shot. Uh, and it's just a way that's really going to help them. And they have to load up behind him on on balls, which we saw a little bit. So there's a lot of things to work with, but yeah, just, I think it's an exciting time for the Heartland. Well, it's good. But first of all, good for him that he, he missed the dunk attempt when no one was able to watch it. And then he did it on TV where everyone could see it. It's on social media. So shout out to him for that. Ryan broke off though. The other night he hit the, the six or seven threes, whatever it was, but he went crazy. Josh, uh, he came to the league last year and it was funny. I, I was talking to Mitch Creek about this. And I don't know if he was specifically having a, a shot at me. I think it was a general shot at the media who thought that he was going to come in and he was going to do this, which by the way, I think is just everyone understanding what he's capable of I don't, I don't think it's a, it's an external pressure thing or trying to put pressure on him everyone just knows how talented this guy is and the impact he can have but Pete's right and not only does he look good and, and also he looks more involved in the offense that they, they seem to have figured out ways that they can unlock him not just as a catch and shoot guy but they can put the ball in his hands he can create a little bit uh, he looks more like the Ryan Brockhoff we've seen in years gone by yeah that's true I, and like I think I think we're all hoping to see that this year, but I think I think it was a positive thing that was attempted by the media with yeah. Brockoff last year. It, when he, whenever there's a, an NBA player, if you knew who Brockoff was, you sort of were in the niche of like a, a more in the know basketball uh, head, I guess, in Australia. It's oh yeah, uh, Ben Sims pretty good. Have you heard of this Brockoff guy? But um, it was also part of if he hit two threes in four games, then it became a highlight. We're like, yeah, this guy's pretty good. So when he arrived here, I think everyone anticipated that he was going to be this NBL level talent. And as we spoke to earlier, he had so many things going on. It was a lot to take in to be the focal point. So maybe there was a slight bit of disappointment, but um, it's great to see. And I, th I think he will be this year. And it's, it's also just being a second a second year within a system, knowing where you to get your shots, there isn't as much pressure anymore. There's more players there that, that can actually provide scoring punch. He can go a game where he only has 10 points or nine points and go three of four and it's say be far less noticeable than say doing that uh, in a 10 point loss or something like that. So I think, um, I think it's overall going to be good. It, a great season for him and it feeds into the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, just overall improving this year uh, in their third year in the league. Mate, you make a good point there about uh, how last year was different with him coming in. And you said it came, all the injuries they had when they signed him, they needed him to be yeah, on yeah. everything, especially early. And then once he wasn't, and as we'd expect, he hadn't played for over 12 months, then it got became a bit of the mental side of things. And he was struggling to get out of that. Now, as you said, he's going to come out and 
the first minute of the first blitz game took three threes, nailed two of them, and just looked like his intent changed. And it's going to be like that. And if he does go whatever it is, three of 12 for a game, he's still going to take those shots and he's still going to play his usual minutes, you'd think, from what we've seen. And they should still win those games now because of the rest of the squad around him. You would know that, Pete, as a shooter, the pressure that's on you, like a good and a bad game, potentially, if you're in that role, three out of five is a good game, two out of five is potentially seen as a bad game or something like that. This, I mean, to have that much more in their arsenal, I think helps them a lot. Yeah, that's exactly the thing is last year when he did come in, they, if he was off with the signing. They were going to struggle and they, they did that. And now it's almost like, well, when he's going, we all just pick up and follow. And when he's not there, who else is going to be there? Adnan, Liafa, different guys to come off the bench who one of them you'd think is going to be able to knock down a couple shots every night. Yeah, he spoke uh, at media day. Also, just the fact that you can work out as much as you want. And he'd been doing that and been trying to prepare to play basketball. But then, as you said, getting thrown straight into the into the fire, I guess, and being expected to carry an offense who was missing Sykes, who was out injured. And then, as I mentioned, Glidden was out. So um, there was just endless dis- distractions for that team and interruptions. And even the injuries he had. I mean, the man got poked in the eye and was wearing goggles a couple of games after he came <laughs> down. I mean, just nothing went right. So I, I think everyone, honestly, is excited to see him play. I want to come back to the Sydney Kings in a little bit. They're the one team that that we've sort of got up there. Um, But I want to come back to the Kings when we discuss a potential MVP candidates. But as far as under the radar teams, so out of the teams that perhaps we haven't mentioned here that perhaps all three of us don't have at the moment in the top four, is there a squad or is there a team that you're interested in, Pete, that uh, you think, as we said, we think it's a deep league. I think there's going to be a number of teams and, and, Quite honestly, I don't think it would surprise me if six or seven of these teams end up in the top four uh, mix and match, however they end up. Is there a team that is impressed you either in the blitz or you just like the look of their roster? I mean, we don't want to go too much again on New Zealand. I think that's one I am really mm-hmm. high on and we'll mm-hmm. probably talk a bit about. But it's the Sixers for me. I had them yeah. in my top four. I mean, they won the Loggins Bruton Cup and you look at what that meant. They they didn't play well, to be honest, over the Blitz. They really didn't. I mean, they had games that they were down 20 plus to the Jack Jumpers, come back and win. And obviously winning helps, but I look at the preseason. I don't care about the wins or losses. It's how you play. You're playing the, the style you want to play. For Mitch McCarron and Daniel Johnson to play the through the Blitz and to in that last game was huge. I mean, the Bullets rested their entire starting lineup in that last game, which is fair enough. They've got a game to prepare for. But Mitch McCarron, one of Australia's best point guards leading the way, He's going to be huge. We've already seen that. You add him alongside, hopefully, a healthy Isaac Humphreys, who people were forgetting quickly, was leading the MVP voting before he got hurt last year and Defensive Player of the Year voting. It was just unbelievable. My question last year was, will him and Daniel Johnson work together? And I think I came out and said, there's no way. These two guys can't work well together. Maybe look like a fool. They were the best big man tandem we'd seen in the league. They were just dominating every week. So if they get that, Dusty Hannes is a baller. We've seen that, and he's not afraid to to back himself. Yeah. And then Tom Withers started to show some signs there as well. So the nice little import pickup. Their bench is going to be a question mark, but Sunday Detch has shown what he brings to a team. Uh, Dufamaya ready for a bit more. Uh, we didn't see any really anything of Kai Soto, but he only played the one game and then had to sit out. So there's pieces there to work with. I I'm a little little high on the Sixers. I think they've got the right pieces, the right core in terms of. A great point guard who's a leader, the captain now, Mitch McCarron. A veteran scorer, Daniel Johnson, who another year of it looks like being unguardable. I, don't, I can't remember the last time he was able to be stopped scoring the ball. 
And then Isaac Humphrey's coming back. You've got enough pieces there to really make nights tough for some other teams. I the funny thing with the adult with the blitz is if you win all all five games, it's really important. You're like, you know what, this is great. This is setting up for a whole season. If you lose all of them except one, you're like, you know what, who cares about the blitz? No <laughs> you know, just show nothing. We're, we're putting a cue in the rack. You know, we're not going to give it away. Um, so it completely is dictated by how you actually go. I agree with you. You can't take too much as well. And I, I think I've watched a lot of Adelaide through the blitz. I really, really liked how they went about it, uh, as you said, but they didn't play well that well. I think the first game they beat Perth, but Perth only scored 53 points. Um, uh, and as, as they've added Mojave King, who I think that um, he's pushing like a, going into the last season, him and Giddy were kind of on the same plate. They were sort of uh, both highly touted as these NBA prospects. Even prior to that, King was this um, was probably tipped to potentially be. Um, so he he was typed three years ahead with Giddy. Giddy really had a massive increase during on the back of how he played during the NBL season. So I think King probably has a bit of a chip on his shoulder. I don't know whether that helps or hinders Adelaide, but I'm excited to see how he goes, and it just helps the depth alongside. McCarran and uh, and also uh, Deck, obviously. But I, I want to ask you, they only won 13 games last year. Do you really see the Johnson and Humphreys twin towers as a sustainable model to actually win like an NBL championship? Are you, are you just saying there's a sneaky chance to make the top four? I think CJ Bruton will have the chance to, to throw different things out there against lineups. So we look at, you talk about the Wildcats and even the Bullets, the teams they've played against uh, in Tasmania. They're the teams that potentially, I mean, we know the Bullets will do play small ball. And that's where you might see that Daniel Johnson, Isaac Humphrey is on the court one at a time and try and play with us a bit more of the four, play all that. And I had, definitely have those options. Mojave King is an X factor. And I, I'm with you. It's last year was a lot, a lot of it was shoulders up, if not all of it, from trying to get through the mental and get the confidence. And he's going to learn from Mitch McCarron. And CJ Bruton's going to give him those opportunities now. So it's, it does have the pressure of, okay, now i got a second chance. He did. And you look at it, he gets a second chance at what he wants to do. Um, but he's going to get the opportunity to do it. He's going to have minutes there rather than trying to fight his way into minutes. So I'm excited to see that from Harvey King. And yeah, I think they just have a nice little well-rounded group that are going to, once they start to click, and they nearly made, they had at one point last year, what was it? They had like a 2% chance to make finals. They just kept kicking away wins. And I was like, wow, are they going to do it? And then lost the one game and sat giddy down and then didn't win after that. So I, I, I just wouldn't be surprised if we're talking midway through the season and the Sixers are hovering around. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I mean, just so much turnover from last year. You mentioned that Giddy um, didn't play at the end of the season, but Humphreys was obviously injured for an extended period of time. Daniel Johnson was out of the lineup for a little bit as well. So I think the fact that they get those two big guys back, and by the way, they've had some 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 moments, certainly Johnson has in the blitz again, uh, which you mentioned is we, we just come to expect. But then uh, replacing Giddy, and it's funny to talk about replacing Giddy now. We see what he's doing in the NBA, but when you think back, his ability to just come in, run an offense of a professional team last year, uh, and it wasn't it wasn't in the Lamelo Ball style of a year ago where it was where it was showtime. Giddy was just a point guard. I mean, he was just he was just operating this team, got better and better as his time went, and now they get arguably the most unselfish player in the comp in Mitch McCarron when you look at what he did and how damn important he was to that United team last year. And you've seen it again. 
McCarron's been out there. He's dishing. He's throwing his nightly look-away passes around the back. I mean, he's just a, he's just a pro, and he, you know that you're going to be able to rely on him. But the other thing with Adelaide that's interesting, think back to the start of the season. Donald Sloan lasted a couple of weeks. He was gone. Uh, Crocker, I wouldn't say, exactly had a, a fantastic year either. So you already mentioned uh, Hannes and, and Withers. If they come in and you get all of a sudden have that impact from the imports, that's a massive boost when you have the local players that are at the, uh, at the top tier. No, I think that's a good point. And we're going to talk about a lot of teams, how they handle adversity this year, because that's going to be a key. And COVID is going to pop up, border things we're already seeing what can potentially happen. So a lot of that is going to be her for a team that I think Adelaide is a lot like Perth, where you try and build that fortress at home. The fans are wild in, at the entertainment center. I mean, that's I grew up as one of those fans hating everybody that came into Adelaide. But it's, <laughs> it's those kind of atmospheres that they thrive off and as you said Mitch McCarron is the wherever you put him if you have some solid pieces around him he has the potential to bring everybody together and have a really good squad a really tough squad to beat and uh, however many triple doubles Giddy got last year McCarron's going to be putting himself around there he had what he have nine eight and eight in the last game uh, of the blitz and he barely shot the ball so if, if the offense dries up he knows he can go score whenever he wants and take some shots man does a bit of everything well I just want to say my my tip actually wasn't Adelaide; it was Brisbane, mm-hmm. only because uh, from the games I watched this year, I remember Lamar Patterson. He always gets a lot of flack for his shape when he comes in, but he just looked switched on from the get go. A couple of games he played closer to thirty minutes in the blitz. Uh, looked like he was actually playing sort of for a bit of redemption after last year. And um, I mean, this guy's a two time NBL first teamer, um, and it makes it very easy for your coach when you've got Nathan Sobey coming off potentially career year. And then uh, Lamar Patterson in shape and actually sort of jumping at the bit a bit. Um, it makes the rest of your decisions pretty easy. And they've got a lot of shooters there. If they if if the system is complementary, obviously Andre Lamar has had a lot of off-the-ball cuts, a lot of running. It's in no doubt probably a lot different to uh, Duncan's. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if, again, they're one of these teams that are around that fifth or sixth mark that could you know knock off some teams in an important time of the year. Yeah, Jason Kadee at Media Day, I asked him and I said, what's what's the word with Patterson? Because we're hearing that he's fit. We're hearing that he's uh, ready to, to take the league over again. And he said, well, I'm not going to tell you. We'll, you'll just have to wait and see what he looks like. <laughs> and then he gave this long answer. And then at the end of the answer, he, he said... LP's back. And I said, okay, well, that's that's what, I, that's what I asked you from the start. But, I mean, they are very confident that he's going to be the Lamar Patterson that we we saw going back a couple of years ago. One other note on Brisbane, who, by the way, I think are going to be super competitive this year as well and, and on the fringe of that playoff mark if, if they don't sneak in. Uh, you mentioned James Duncan. He, he looks – he's just from talking to him for a few minutes, I, I want to know if he – can get angry. He's softly spoken, a lovely man. I, I want to know if he's going to get angry, if we're going to see some Connor Henry-style sprays uh, during timeouts. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Either. It'd be a thing. I think you rely early on. They have those veterans like Jason Kadee and stuff that you think can really make sure everybody knows, even Nathan Sobey as well. He, he matured his game, I think, in right. the last 18 months as everything's happened for his career. And I, I'm high on the bullets after the blitz. I know it's only the preseason, but again, it's the way they played. It's the way Lamar Patterson played that has me excited for them. I'm a big Tom Digbo fan. I think wherever he's come from, I know he was a later signing as the next stars. I was so impressed with the little spurts I saw. But again, I, my question mark that I had with the Phoenix last year was, you got a lot of guards and there's only so many minutes out there. And when you talk about Lamar Patterson being back, Nathan Sobey being an MVP caliber player, 
As those two guys are going to log their 35-ish minutes a game. And then you've got Kadi, you've got Drimmick. Tanner Krebs had a really good preseason. Uh, we haven't seen Isaiah Moss yet. Tom Digbo shown signs. So there's only a certain amount of minutes to go around. Yeah, that's it's, a lot of guys expecting minutes. It is, 100%. I mean, you're not going to not play Kadi. You're not going to not play Drimmick. Tanner Krebs showed I can play defense. And I think that's what James Duncan wants is I need some guys who are going to really lock up and play defensively. It's going to be a little juggling act, I think, for the start of the season, at least. With these guys, Kadee, Drimmick, they're not young guys anymore. Sobe, they're, uh, they're, they're veterans of the NBL now. They probably haven't had too much success. Obviously, the Adelaide guys back, they've reached a grand final series. But at some point, they have to take some sort of sacrifice and um, I don't know, look at each other and say, well, if we want to have another fiveies in this league, we probably have to start winning more. Good grand final series, that, but we can continue. Fantastic grand final series. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because they were, again, another one of those teams last year that kind of flew under the radar and then it got towards the back end of the season and they were kind of in the mix. So, yeah, I mean, if all those things we've discussed come come to fruition, particularly Lamar Patterson, I mean, I think he's the key because I think you know what to expect from Nathan Sobey. He, he had said himself, obviously, his best season of his career last year, if he plays at or around that level, that's going to be enough to keep you competitive most nights. But they just don't want to get in a situation last year where it felt like they were in games because Sobey went off for 18 points in the first quarter and just could hardly miss. I mean, it was incredible to watch. There's no doubt about that. But um, they probably want a little more balance uh, with the offense. What about MVP? Now, this is always a fun one to discuss. Now, Pete, I was I can't remember who you said was going to be MVP in the predictions, but I was talking with uh, Liam Santa Maria last week and I said, and Josh, don't be offended by this, but I said the most boring MVP selection you can possibly make is Bryce Cotton. Now, it's not to say that he's not going to win it because he probably will, <laughs> but I'm just anti-selecting Bryce Cotton because it's it's too easy. No, it is too easy. And I, if Josh selects him, I'm all for it because he's up there. <laughs> yeah, of course. That, he's in my top two. But actually, yeah, I yeah. don't I don't have him as favorite going into this year, personally, which I think is wild. I've got a few candidates, but I think the guy who I'm very high on to win MVP this year is Mitch Creek. I think Creaky's going to... If the Phoenix want to win a championship, it's going to be the, on the back of an MVP-type year from Mitch Creek. I mean, we talk about leaders on both ends. When he's injured or not there, the Phoenix struggle. And he can do it all. Rebounds, passes the ball, scores at a high rate. He's a really tough cover for a lot of guys. I mean, we talk about the grand final series when he was, I mean, the semifinal series when he wanted to take over, he did. Melbourne United's answer at the start of the year was Jack White. You talk about an athlete, that was that was the matchup. I mean, you look at it around the league now, I'm like, Vic Law's a good matchup for him, certain guys, but other fours, he's a nightmare to go against. And I think he is primed to have an MVP caliber season. And he is driven by how close they got last year what the team wants to do, and it's going to be on the back of, if he's holding a trophy, I would not be surprised whatsoever. Josh, go on. Say say Bryce Cotton. <laughs> I'm not going to say Bryce Cotton. I think you guys <laughs> think I'm a natural homer with that. Was, well, you got to understand, my brother uh, played for pretty much every team but the Wildcats outside of his first couple of years. So I think we went to every single game uh, in the wrong jersey. So we, we had some pretty hostile fan interactions. Um, I, I didn't want to pick Bryce Cotton. And part of the reason was, he was such the focus of Trevor Gleason's offense. Like, it was pretty much if if Bryce Cotton went down, 
there was such a high chance that they were going to lose the Wildcats last year because one, where were they going to get their scoring or the last couple of years? And two, um, it, it's just the entire offense was set around him coming off screens, the flex offense. It was, it, I'm, I'm interested to see how that actually looks come the regular season because if he's not getting the 24 points per game, if it's actually been shared a bit and maybe for once it's actually going to be taken away. I then thought of who, who would I love to see win the MVP? Who, who would be the funnest to see? And because I knew I, I was trying to be a bit out of the box, but um, Chris Golding, is there any chance he gets it? A 20-point-a-game season from him. Um, he's probably going to do a bit, a bit more heavy lifting this year. He's going to be supplied well by Delhi potentially, if Delhi can hit his shots, uh, open it up a bit more. Um, is, is Golding any chance, or does he just not do enough as far as assists, rebounds, and the rest of it? Or, is, or could he potentially have... Uh, a really good season, tinkering with the NBA, and then and the bronze medal then arriving back in Australia. I think it's a good call because I I had him in my All NBA First Team when we did those predictions based on the roster they have. You talk about they made Joe Luala Chul the main focus in the blitz, which is all which is good. He's a tough cover. He's one of the unguardable in that position. But Chris Gop, he's going to have to be their offensive leader. And you look at the years past; he's a game breaker when. The games are broken open for Melbourne United. It's on the back of him. But I think you mentioned it, Kane. Last year, there was such a set rotation. Yeah. Where I think he went to the jungle, hit two threes in the first quarter and sat down yeah, and then yeah. cooled off. And everyone is thinking, what's going on here? Didn't He can't do that this year. They're going to have to run a lot for him. He knows that. And I wouldn't be surprised. I've gone on record to say if he has his best offensive output this season, it's not going to shock me whatsoever. Based on where he's come from, the tryout, all that, the way he's feeling. And he's going to have to. If Melbourne United offensively want to really compete, it's going to be on the back of a massive year from him. Can I just ask quickly, where's Jack White at uh, as far as return? Because that's only going to help his cause. But I, I, I wanted to jump in before, but I just wanted to know if you had any intel on that, either of you. He's, he's not far. I mean, I know re- recently, speaking to him at, um, last week at Media Day, he was pretty excited. It was, it was sort of hard to, hard to settle him down when it came to the excitement to get him back and, and playing. So he didn't, he didn't tell me anyway. He didn't have a, a set date exactly, but he's back out, running around, jumping, dunking, feeling pretty good. So hopefully it's, uh, hopefully it's not too far into the season. Peter. I think he actually competed five on five for the first time I saw yeah. on social media today. He's going to be a bit, after DJ Vasilievich, mm-hmm. uh, I think he's expected to come back first. But again, you're right. I mean, I looked at when Jack Wilde went down last year, he was, I think, the most important player on the United roster. I thought I thought he was in, in that four spot, did everything, which is why probably a time for another podcast, he'll be a boomer's captain one day. He's he's a freak in every part of the game. He is. I can't wait for him to be back. So Golden, just to get back to him before we move on, uh, you mentioned the fact that Vickerman would, would stick to the rotation and they'd take him off. And just as a, if, if I took off the media hat and just as a fan, he used to piss me off because I just wanted to see this man go for 40 <laughs> or go for 50. And there was multiple games, I'm going to say, that he had 20 plus points in the first half. And then he would finish with maybe two more points. And after the game, I'd ask him about that and like, can, can you give us something? Can you stay hot? Can you stay on the floor? And he every time would just say, no, I don't really care doesn't bother me. And I, I think this year he's going to have to be the guy. I mean, if, if Melbourne are near the pointy end of the, the ladder, I mean, there's obviously going to be some other guys that will obviously break through. Like we said, maybe there's another signing. But as it currently stands, when I look at the roster, it, it's got to be him. It's got to be him. He's going to have to be scoring 20-plus points a night, and hopefully we'll see some of those explosions. I actually, 
uh, put Jalen Adams down mm. as my MVP uh, pick and some ridicule because last year I also picked uh, Kiefer Sykes. I just like picking imports that have never played in the league before to win MVP, which, I mean, some could say is absolutely ridiculous. But Jalen Adams, last time uh, we saw him play uh, consistent, consistently in the in the G League under the same coach, Chase Buford with the Wisconsin Herd. He was a 20-plus points per night scorer. Uh, electric, even in the little moments we saw him in the blitz, came out straight away. First shot he knocked down from way beyond the, the three-point arc. He's an explosive scorer. He's going to get guys involved. He's going to push the tempo. I think in general, he's going to be really entertaining for fans to watch him play. But as I was watching the Blitz, and the, the one game that I saw the Kings up close was against uh, New Zealand, and they actually lost this game. But they got off to, I, I believe it was a 14-0 start. And I remember thinking to myself watching that game, maybe I should have considered Jarrell Martin for MVP. And, and I put, I put Jalen Adams down, but Jarrell Martin last year before he got injured himself uh, was dominant. He averaged 18 and seven on the season. He only played the 28 games, but he is just so explosive. And there was times in this game against New Zealand and we've seen it in the past where they would just give him the ball. He'd grab the rebound and he's just like, I'm just going to bring it up the court. And then when he gets downhill, he's just charging through blokes. He's throwing down dunks in tandem now with hopefully Xavier Cooks, who stays healthy. So uh, this was kind of the reason why I didn't touch on Sydney too much earlier. But honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if either of those guys are right up there uh, when it comes to the end of the season. I think Sydney are going to be awesome. Uh, I've seen some people perhaps not so high on them, but uh, I think this is a I think this is a deep roster. Uh, they've got incredible imports. Uh, I think they're going to be really damn good. Darrell Martin, he just looks... He looks better than last year. I mean, yeah. healthier, he looks fitter, he looks ready to go. And the fact that you got an import who made a splash like he did last season, then both turning around at the end of the year saying, I'm in, like I'm, I'm opting in for another year, let's do it, like straight away, loves the culture. I think he is ready for a massive year. He's another one who's unguardable. He's got a step back, he's got a quick dribble, quick spin, he's got everything. But I'm I'm high on Jalen Adams as well. Um, it's not often you see a guy come in in an import new to the league, who's going to be given the keys to the team. And that's what he's, he's going to be given that opportunity to take the Kings the whole way. And that's really exciting for him. I'm, I would not be surprised if he, he's in my top five, no doubt for an MVP. Um, another one I thought Josh would have brought up. This is, you talk about the Bryce Cotton thing. Again, I, I'm not going to be surprised if Vic Law is standing there holding an MVP because of who he's playing alongside now in, at a successful organization like the Wildcats, if Michael Fraser is half of what we expect and we, the guys who know what Michael Fraser can do, if you put him alongside, everyone's still going to have the attention on Bryce, which is going to open up things for Vic Law. And this is an all-NBL caliber player until he got hurt last year. So if we fast forward six months and Vic Law is the MVP, it wouldn't shock me to have it taken away from the one of the greatest of all time, Bryce Cotton. Cotton's going to be playing a lot of point guard to start the season with Norton's five-week injury, which is pretty terrible news for the Cats uh, with the, the knee injury update. So, I mean, that, as you said, that's going to open it up so much more for Vic Law because we we see how much Cotton likes to try and go coast to coast when he's playing that uh, point guard role and just attack straight away. It's going to open it right up for pretty much everyone. It's interesting because John Mooney last year was obviously a monster as well. And he was a guy that could get you 18 and 10 every night. And I know Josh, you spoke about the big man division on this team that's changed. It's got a little bit of a different look and it's going to be sort of running through Bryce and Vic, obviously. But this was kind of what I thought last year when John Mooney was started the season off incredible. It's always like 
could you actually vote or could you look at Vic Law as an MVP when he's playing alongside Bryce Cotton and Bryce is creating, he's dishing, he's scoring himself? Because you know that Bryce Cotton's going to put up the numbers. So I just don't know whether it would be physically possible for, for a teammate of his to win the MVP. All you need is enough hype about that early enough yeah, that yeah. everyone else jumps on board and just because that's what I don't know if we're talking defensive player of the year. A lot of it is the hype that gets grown around the media and the talk. And then a lot of people, if you're not getting blocks and steals, if everyone knows and is talking about you being a defensive player, everyone's looking for the little intangibles. And all of a sudden you go from not being on a defensive player of the year radar to, holy crap, you're a defensive player of the year nomination. And that's where I'm trying to do, well, if Vic Law does it, starts getting the hype early enough, as you said, no Mitch Norton, then I don't see why not. Why not? And you're smiling about something, Josh. Oh, I just, I love that call. It's a really good call about the, um, like the, the anchor theory about, um, with especially the media's, uh, the defensive player here, because no one's watching like behind play defensive sets uh, on replays. You know, they're following the ball. And the easiest thing you can do is look at steals and blocks. But I mean, arguably the best defender on the team is not the guy potentially getting two steals a game, it's the guy that locks down his player. So I always find that really funny that. All of a sudden, everyone's saying Mitch McCarron. Like that year, Mitch McCarron won yep. Defensive Player of the Year until it started getting a little bit of um, talk. And there was a couple sort of long articles written about of his um, defensive effort and the really sort of deep dive into the numbers. No one said it. And then all of a sudden, it was like, yeah, he's so bloody good. He's so good. And I'm like, I didn't watch one defensive player of Mitch McCarron, but even I was like, yeah, he's so good. Like, he's honestly so good. Like, he's a workhorse. Um, so I, I agree with you. But no, no, nothing against Mitch McCarron. But I, I love that that uh, talk from you as well. And to your point, that's exactly what we saw last year. And by the way, people that have listened to this podcast for a while will know that I, if I do by chance, by some off chance, get a prediction right, I will bring it up uh, <laughs> with, with regularity. And last year we did this NBL season preview and I said, you know, Justin Simon, I've been watching some Justin Simon. And to your point, Josh, it wasn't the team defense. It wasn't him locking down guys night in, night out. But he's the type of defensive player that will get the block shots and he'll get the steals. And his first game of the season, he did it. And it was almost like he was decided that he was going to be defensive player of the year. And he was awesome. He was awesome all year, by the way. Uh, he did have he, seven steals and like five blocks in the game. They're pretty hard to ignore those ones, but you're right. <laughs> exactly right. And that was that was one where the narrative coming in was that he was a, a, an incredibly uh, talented defensive player. And to do that in your first game, um, obviously set the scene there. I've got down here on, and, and I don't do a rundown. I, I don't like to plan too much, but I've got player under pressure. But I think that this is a good lead into talking about some of the younger players in the league. We've already gone through a, a, a few of them. So I actually, when I, when I put down player... Uh, that would be under pressure. And we've discussed him a little bit, so we probably don't need to go into Mahave King too much. But the reason that I put him down there, and again, this isn't because the expectations are that he's going to be a first-team All-NBL guy and he's going to be a star on that team. It's just based purely on on what we hope that he can achieve and have a fantastic season and hopefully get drafted. We, that, that's what all the talk is around these young guys. So uh, before we started this, looked at the latest mock draft from Jonathan Gavoni, uh, and just to go through some of the guys in the league. So it was man. At Diangi, he was actually at 12, and he had some moments in the blitz where you're like, okay, I get it. I get why this guy is highly touted. Uh, 34 was Hugo Basson, who uh, might miss the first game of the season, um, by the way. They're obviously, New Zealand, things have been a bit interrupted there. Ariel Hakporti is at 49, and then the guys on the outside looking in, and there's one in particular that I definitely want to ask you about, Josh. Again, not that's yet, not that, you know, you're the, you're the Western Australian 
uh, correspondent. We have to direct any Wildcats questions to you. But Mojave King, I hate King, this tribalism. I hate, yeah. you know, I'm just I'm an Australian first and foremost. Okay, guys. <laughs> mm. Well, yeah, it's true. I would love to come over there and watch them play myself, but I'm not allowed to. So we'll go with Mojave King. Uh, Luke Travers is on the outside looking in. Uh, then Nikita Mikhailovsky. I don't know if there's any other guys, but but is there any one of those players that you've liked what you've seen, or either either in the blitz or, or previously that you're excited uh, to see get rolling here to start the season? Is me going? I, I've, I was, I've Hugo Besson, that 24 points against Southeast Melbourne. Um, I, I looked at him first glance. It's like this skinny kid, but he played with like so much confidence, the huge dunk, that just everything about him. I was like, oh, okay, I get it. He's like in an NBA prospect. You look, you are 19 or 18 or whatever, and you're like doing grown man things to these guys and almost toying with people at times. Like, those guys and Travis has a bit of that too, where they, they look like they're moving slow, but they're actually just moving faster than everyone. They look like they're sort of, uh, they're so athletic and they've so much poise that they look like they're moving in slow-mo, but they're actually like extremely athletic. So I saw that with him and I really, I, I think he, he was the easy choice for me so far. Travis, I, I spoke to uh, coach Morrison the other day and he's basically like, we, it's really great that he's, um, getting highlights and he's impressive, but we actually need him to deliver every single game. So it'd be interesting to see how he reacts to the added pressure from the coach. So they're probably the two for me um, that probably stood out of out of the group. Huck Porty as well, obviously. Those dunks are hard to go, go by. I like, yeah, I interviewed a couple of the Breakers guys uh, at Media Day and they were talking, I was talking about Basson and they were literally just saying he's an absolute killer. And then he came in for an interview and I was like, He's, he seemed so quiet. He seemed so reserved. And I was like, are we talking about the same guy here? You saw his highlights and everything, but anyone can make a really good highlight tape. Um, but then watching him play, I was like, he is going to be he's going to be one to watch. Uh, he just has no fear. He's going to get way more opportunity than he's already going to get with Tom Abercrombie being out. They need guys to step in on the wing. So I'm really excited to see what he does. Huck Porty was mine uh, in the early predictions only because I thought... Looking at Melbourne United's roster, Joe Luala Chul, no Jack White yet, Peatling Barlow, he's going to need to play. It's not that he'll get opportunity. He's going to have to play minutes. And all reports from Dean Vickerman is they just got to get his motor up. But the play in the, the, the last game of the Blitz gets a block on one end, and I paused it, and he's behind every single player <laughs> when they throw the outlet to Golding, and he sprints back for the tip dunk. I was like, he's work ethic athleticism for his size and he's a 19 year old who's in his fourth professional year like season of playing that's you can't undervalue that that is massive for what he's going to grow um he's going to pull a ring down a rim was pulled down illawarra last year in the warm-ups by a call to gat so (laughs) there's a good chance he pulls another one down and that man is an animal and i'm i actually thought player under pressure i went for a, a guy i've seen over the last few years but i think he's under pressure not in a negative way just for what the team needs scott machado mm. i think for the Taipans, we, we we see them struggle they didn't win a game in the blitz but to jim mccall is going to be awesome i think the machado is going to have to go back to what we saw a couple of years ago take the pressure off himself but he's going to have to perform to help the Taipans get some wins i thought that was a big thing that stood out for me looked frustrated in, in himself a bit throughout the preseason. And I think for, for Cairns to, to tick away some wins, they're going to need him to, to tap back into that semi-final for Scott Machado from a couple of years ago. Yeah, they were pretty disjointed last year at times. It felt like Cairns, the offense was just one guy take turns, the next guy will take his shot. 
Um, obviously, Adam Ford comes in there. Uh, he's been hasn't been backward, as all coaches are, by the way, about defensive side of the ball, and that's where they need to improve. You mentioned McCall. He's obviously going to be super important uh, there. Again, when you talk about imports that come in with a defensive reputation, he's, he might be the guy this year. Uh, hopefully, Cairns uh, can win enough games to to make an impact there. I just want to go back to uh, Huck Porty because if you – and honestly, until I was sitting and he was literally sitting right in front of me, when you talk about a guy that's 19 and then you talk about Usman Dieng, guys, <laughs> guys that are the same age, I mean, Huck Porty, it, it, this is a guy, as you said, he's been playing professional basketball for a while, but he looks like he has the body of a 26-year-old that's been – in the, in the system for years and years and years. I mean, this guy is huge. He is a man. He does not look like he's about to be pushed around. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. He He's going to have, I wonder, it's going to be a kind of, I guess, the death lineup. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Vickman some games throws him out there alongside Luala Chul and because of Joe Luala Chul's ability to put the ball on the floor. But the strength of him for a 19 year old and to the way how quickly he gets up, I, no. I wasn't expecting that. I was, that was what really, surprised me because i saw his size early and i was like oh he's going to be a big body but how quickly he can get up in multiple efforts is what makes him where is he now 49 or something you said is 49 yeah he's gonna if he has anywhere like he had in the blitz he's gonna rise up that board that surprised me a bit with his 49th pick because the, if you look at his stats from europe that he was going against Euroleague sides and having you know 14 and 11 or like 24 and 14 um and playing really good teams night in night out so it's it surprising me that a guy with the physical attributes that we've seen that was also already delivering at 18 in a man's league against Euroleague sides that um that's he's a ladder in the draft but also for all these players like even um Besson was playing pro b uh, i believe in or, or the second top comp in france and he was averaging around 20 points per game and digbo out and it was another guy that had huge numbers occasionally against top tier teams like Euroleague sides um, the, just the talent coming in uh, at first glance when you're like, oh, who is this European kid? But then you actually see the people they're playing. They're coming to a league, but they've already got the experience at a, a league of an equal standard. This is a question without notice, but I've just thought about this. As we're talking about United and you talk about Huck Porty and potentially does Vickerman throw him in there with lineups with Big Joe? And we've got through this podcast without mentioning Jock Landau once, but clearly... This is just a massive hole in this roster. I mean, to, to replace that guy. And, and of course, you know, if Joe had have played all 40 minutes in that opening blitz game, he might have had 70 points and 40 rebounds. I mean, he was uh, completely dominant. Again, this is a new role for him. Last year, there was that kind of freedom where he comes off the bench. You know, you want to get some shots up? All right, you score a quick uh, 12 to 14 points. And he did that. He was obviously fantastic. But they're going to be relying on him now. When you look at the roster, is that the position pete that you would think that they would want to make an addition now obviously they've got uh joe as we pointed to huck porty mason peatlin is a guy that i think was impressive last year we'll sort of play the four uh but the, all those guys in the mix there would, would they be looking at a big or do you need to see if huck porty is going to be a nightly contributor no i think that's the way they'll go first is just try and see where they're lacking and how huck porty is going to be the motor is the big thing for him that we talked about but the motor is a big thing for Luala Chul as well. As you said, his role last year could come in and he got tired. He got tired in the blitz a couple of times. If he can get that motor up and up, Dean Vickman needs him out there if he's not in foul trouble 30 to 35 minutes a game. And yeah. talking to Luala Chul, he said this is his year. He comes back from his time in the States saying, 
from all reports that he did that well over there, that he knows his spot is in the NBA. So he's going to need to be able to have the conditioning to play 33, 35 minutes a game. And yeah, that's where it'll be. I'm sure they'll be keeping options open. I think if my first point is they're going to, they need to fill a roster import spot. They're again going down that Scotty Hobson, Casey Bray, the Carrick Felix way, that three spot. Um, I think that's where I, initially I'm thinking that they might need something. You're gonna, you've got Delhi, you've got Shaley, they're locked in. Caleb Agard has shown signs. You could potentially bring him off the bench and throw in, have a starting three import or vice versa if you find the right piece. And then Brad Newley is the veteran that Dean Vickerman always needs to have. Like the Brad, uh, like the Dave Barlow's, Dean Vickerman's massive on the trust factor of if I need guys I can rely on. He's already come into the team and, and got that trust from Dean Vickerman because of his career, of what he does and what he can buy into his role now. So that's a good signing for them. I think that if they do go, it'll probably be somewhere in the guards. Well, unless they look at it and, and Jack White's a bit further away and they think, oh, we, we do need some sort of backup presence in the bigs. Well, Jack White, as, as you pointed to earlier, here is the guy that can... Uh that can defend across multiple positions as well. So versatile. And, and, you know, hopefully he comes back. That's obviously a pretty, pretty serious injury. And hopefully it doesn't take him too long to get back to the player uh, we saw last year. So as we do look to, to kind of wind this thing up, we haven't mentioned Tasmania. And it's interesting because when you talk about the guard rotation from Melbourne, another guy that they lost who was important to them last year, particularly as sometimes playing in that defensive role alongside Shea Early, Sam McDaniel, he's obviously down there with uh, Tazzy now, what should the expectations be for Tazzy, Josh? I mean, I, I think in many ways, Southeast Melbourne have, have really set an unfair bar for a new franchise coming into the league. But what can Tazzy expect? What, what's, what should they be aiming for? And of course, they'll tell you that they're aiming to be competitive and reach the, reach the playoffs, but it might not be realistic. Well, I think a goal for them, from what I saw from them, outside of the blowout against the Wildcats, which was a 30-point blowout they, they have a lot of really good pieces um the imports they have are going to contribute well josh mcget was actually uh getting a lot of assists in the game really being the glue guy between everyone but then they've made they've taken a leap with a lot of guys that they believe potentially could make the leap in tasmania like jack mcveigh he was such a highly talented junior um and you could argue probably yeah he he's had an okay nbl career but he's not a bona fide starter yet uh, another guy, Sam McDaniel, everyone everyone really enjoys him at, from Melbourne United. Um, they brought him back to Tasmania and uh, potentially he could do that as well. But the one guy that I was actually going to have down for most pressure on him and potentially most improved uh, was Will Magne. So he's only 23 years old. I, always, I actually I thought he was you know, 26 or something. Yeah. He's already been to the US and come back. Um, but do you remember like two years ago, when he had that breakout game against Andrew Bogut and the Sydney Kings, it was like 24 points and 11 rebounds and a couple of blocks. And Bogut was carrying some injuries, but he wasn't making that public. But Magne looks like like the next top 10 Australian big man um, draft pick. So I think part of their ceiling is entirely on Will Magne because their imports are probably going to deliver what they expect. They've got these other guys that are going to be role players and and occasionally have big nights. But Will Magnate to be the two-way Magnate, I'm so upset that I'm quoting Corey Homicide Williams, but <laughs> if he can become that two-way Magnate again and come off, come away from last year, he ended up averaging four points and four rebounds in just 17 minutes for the Wildcats, even though he came in late. Um, I think they can actually potentially make a late run at 
the finals. They could they, they could push for that five six mark, and they're going to not say otherwise that they they're the championship or bust. But uh, I think if if Magna can play well, if these other guys can play well, they they should be pushing for that top six, top five. I, I, I might be off. What do you guys reckon? So Magna, just quickly, say, so is there one team that you're ruling out? <laughs> yeah, Cairns. I I, I didn't okay, really okay. enjoy Cairns. I also um, yeah, good point. I've I've really. Oh, I don't I did, think it's I don't think it's unreasonable I, by the way. I mean, this is like seriously, it feels like a seriously hmm. deep league. I was just I'm curious. Not, I'm not as high on Sydney as you guys at this stage, okay. but um, nice. just because I haven't seen enough. But sure. um, but uh, but uh, Jack Jumpers, I think I saw enough there. They'll, they'll get some nights they'll get blown out, but um, they looks like they were pretty switched on, and they've I think if they get enough from these, it feels like when you look at their roster, they've just got like nine role players. But if some guys make the leap, um. Oh, far out. Delete everything I said. They're going to come dead last. No, I, I think they could push to that five, six mark. And that would be a good sign for them. And that potentially would be a success for them. I'm going to completely disregard the, the Sydney comment because it's I'm, I'm it's wild. It's, it's a wild <laughs> statement. I'm, I can't wait to go back to it. Uh, Will Magna is a good one. That's a, because there's pressure on him, but there's not, I think, in a way. Of, yeah. Because last year he had the pressure from the Wildcats. He had the hype. He, again, it's someone who needed to help the Wildcats at that time. It wasn't ready for it. I mean, that, he was massive when he came back from the States. Like he put on muscle galore. That's what they do over there. Just and couldn't move like he is now. Like we're talking about a guy who was top two in defensive player of the year voting that year. You're talking about with the Bogut breakout game. And the pressure is going to be there, but also Scott Roth's going to say, once you're back, he's, you're fully healthy. You've got your motor in you. I need you playing 30 to 35 minutes. I need that from you. So he doesn't have to come in with 15 to 20 minutes and say, oh, I've got to do well here. I can work my way into games. I've got a great pass, passing point guard in Majet. I've got a gun in Josh Adams who can get the, the scoreboard ticking over. And then you've got those role players who can come in and fill their role. I think that the Jack Jumbers, as long as they continue to... They've got to be fun to watch. That's, I think, the, the main thing about them. Keep the fun about it, which is... We talk about a small market teams two years ago when Cairns went to the semifinals. They were fun to watch. Everybody was rooting for them because you could watch them and enjoy basketball. There was highlights. There was The crowd was going crazy. They were just fun to watch. If they can keep that throughout the whole year, keep the hype up, and then towards the end, be those party hoopers for other teams. Be the spoilers of team needs the, to beat the Jack Jumpers now to get to the finals. No, it's not going to be an easy rollover. It's not going to be an easy win. I think that's going to be positive. And you said it best, Kane. Phoenix have set this ridiculously high bar. And we talked about, would they start 4-0 and in their inaugural season? And then they went, they hit the little rough patch, but now where they've come to, you can't think about that. But you can't not because well, well, it was a couple of years ago. It's not like this is a new team it's 10 years ago. So I, I'm excited. for. I really hope to be able to get down there and watch one of the games uh, at the Nest. I think we're going with the Nest. Is that what we're, going to, is that what we're happy to call it? I think you, you started it. Yeah, um, is it the is it a nest or is it a mound? Well, I heard some uh, ant hill was thrown out there, and someone said the nest, and I was like, oh, I don't mind. The nest sounds cool, and oh, the mound's not bad. The mound's the mound the mound's tough. It sounds weird. You are heading the mound? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm in on mound. Nest, I could get around. Uh, I'm glad you said fun though, because it took all of one quarter of the blitz for Josh Adams to be thrown down dunks left, right, and center. But I think that the one thing that they did, and this was obviously by design and it was very smart, was getting a, a pass-first point guard that can just organize things. And, and Josh Majed is that guy. And I, I think at, at least we've seen in the past, and you go back to that first season with the Phoenix, and again, I'm not 
saying that this was uh, John Robeson's fault that the, the, the Phoenix lost all these games, but he was a scoring point guard. I think it does just give you a sense of organization um, that te- the team is going to be competitive. They're going to run a, a fluid offense. And I think Josh Majed will be... Uh, will be pretty important for that. And then Will Magne, as, as you pointed to, he was injured as well when he came over. I mean, it was kind of a similar story uh, mm. to Ryan Brokoff, really, as you pointed to. So, um, yeah, I just think they're going to be really fun. And I, and I think, again, with it, all the excitement around this team down there, I, I think the, the games are going to be, uh, there's going to be a great atmosphere down there. And I hope for that reason that they're competitive and people keep going to watch these games and get right behind it. Because obviously there's been, uh, a lot of excitement for a pro sports team down there for a while. But I do have the uh, jack jumpers and the tie pans. I, I, I'm, I'm scrubbing. I'm, I'm rolling them out. I'm rolling them out from the postseason. That's fair enough, mate. I, yeah. I, 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 I'm, fine. I'm, I'm trying to be the positive thing. I, I yeah. did like Maget, uh, Majet. Sorry, I, I really enjoyed watching him. I, I'm trying to do the positive spin here, right? Um I also can probably talk myself into Cairns winning the championship if you give uh-huh. me long enough. So uh, <laughs> uh, I'd be astounded uh, if the Jack Jumpers made finals. I mean, you talk, yeah, it's just lots. it's a first year in the yeah. league, and it's not so much their roster; it's just the rest of the league. The rest of the league, you look at the teams; it's and so much of it is unknown. The Kings, you said, with an unknown. The Breakers, how are they going to? It's just the league overall has gone to a complete another level. They're being if they were in the year uh, the the league last year, I'd be having a different conversation. I think right now we have legitimately so many teams competing for four spots that it's going to make every single game exciting. I'm just saying, but with the next stars too as well, it, it would have been great to get a guy like Basson in Tasmania. Or I understand they, it's not the most clear cut way how it's assigned, but imagine if he was helping their you know offensive scoring. Um, down there every night in Tasmania. Pretty, pretty fun to watch. Well, Mikulovsky can do that. I just don't know what, what happened. I mean, whether he's already in the doghouse or they're just trying to find other things. Uh, this man this man can flat out play. If you've seen mm. any stuff in, in his resume. Yeah, yeah. So I'm with you. Maybe they should have just started. And that's what I like about the Blitz. We talk about teams hiding things and not showing all their cards, giving everyone an opportunity. It was almost like that was the time to do it. If you Scott Roll, like that's where you should do it. At least one game. So look, all right, well, maybe the last game of the Blitz, maybe I don't need... I know Josh Adams, Josh Majed are going to play 30 minutes a game. All right, Mikulovsky, here you go. Here's 25 minutes. Go and have some fun. And get those little... Get the confidence in him as well. So he can do it. I, I don't know what happened there. I got the impression from media day that I, I don't know i mean he's just not going to get any favors let's just say that i was trying to trying to fish for any type of answer or positivity <laughs> from from uh from scott roth around mikhailovsky and it, it just he was just like well this is a pro sports team we're trying to win and it's like okay fair enough so uh, he's not going to be gifted me that's that's for damn sure it's not going to be a it's not going to be a, a Lamar ball. Oh, by the way, it was very good. I'm not saying he was gifted minutes unnecessarily, but he was playing every night. The team wasn't necessarily winning, but it was awesome to watch. And I, I guess that's maybe the point you're trying to make, Josh, there just from the entertainment factor. If you had a guy uh, down there that was playing every night and scoring a bunch of points, um, it, it kind of makes the team uh, must watch anyway. As- I, also, I also just meant like it'd be handy. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. Hopefully sure. he becomes that player as well, just uh, to help with their depth. All right. I think we've covered mostly everything we wanted to get to today. Uh, like we said, Friday nights, 
things get underway. Sit down in Tassie. So we'll see uh, that team we were just talking about there. And uh, I, I guess very quickly we'll discover uh, how many wrong predictions we made on this <laughs> podcast and people will let us know about it. So that's, uh, that's the fun thing about doing this kind of thing. Pete, what games are you doing this weekend? Doing uh, Friday night double and the Sunday late one. So we've got the triple header Sundays will be a big day of hoops. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but I am looking forward to calling that first game. Tassie, see how they go. The, the pregame entertainment's supposed to be insane. So hopefully they get some clips of that on social media and we'll kick off NBL 22 with a bang. And Josh, this feature story, what, what should we expect from this? What's, what's this going to be about? Uh, I don't want to say Walkley on my first one, but <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, it, it, it's, it's a complete era of change for the Wildcats. For the last eight years, they've had Trevor Gleason, six, uh, five championships, one with Bevo before. Um, and this year, you've got, you've got a change in an owner. You've got a change in the coach. You've got the coach can't even get in the country. Uh, they made him before the Blitz in Tasmania. And then you've got a significant turnover. So um, I spoke to Jesse Wagstaff and Coach Morrison as well about firstly to Wags. For the first time in a long time, he's had to learn an offense. And for the first time in a long time, he's, he's, it's just been a part of change. And they're, one of their biggest strengths always early in the season was the familiarity. And they just would knock off teams that were still trying to figure out their way and figure out how they play with each other. When Cotton would come out, Damian Martin would come out and just an import would have no clue who they were. So um, it's an interesting period for the Wildcats. And we sort of delve into that a little bit. Um, would have could, could have easily been a lot longer. I think another little facet to it quickly is the fact you've gone from Jack Bend out their owner, who was probably the dream owner. He donated to the, constantly to charity, he tried to lift up basketball in the state, and he never really spoke. He just let the GMs do whatever they wanted um, and had full faith in them to make the right decision. Then you've got um, Hutchie coming in and Sports Network Australia, or sorry, Sports Network, oh, far out, butchered it. But um, it's the polar opposite. So I'm not saying that it's worse or anything. I'm just saying it's surely potentially going to be different. Yeah, I don't, before we go, I don't think we've ever had a new coach come into the league and have to get into two countries. He came into Australia, yeah. tried to get into Australia, then had to go to WA. Couldn't get into either. Oh, you lo- you're loving these WA games. <laughs> I had to get in there. <laughs> Well, it's a, it's honestly the perfect way to end. But all, all I'll say is make sure you check out uh, Josh's story over at ESPN.com.au. We've got stuff rolling right through this week and weekly features we'll have on the website. So make sure you check that out along with the podcast. If this is your first time listening uh, and you haven't subscribed or followed wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure you do that. We would really appreciate it. And for now, for myself, Kane Pittman, Pete Hooley, Josh Garlett, we'll leave it there. We'll catch you guys next time.